0: Live from the Mecca, Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Tonight's program is called, And the Wiener Is. The scripture tells us, test all things, hold fast to what is good, doesn't it? Test everything, hold fast to what is good. Relative to what is good, Paul says in Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Truth, honesty, justice, righteousness, purity, loveliness, good report, virtuousness, praiseworthy, think, ponder, Consider these things, right? So I have long seen the ministry that we're involved in here as an opportunity to kind of step out on the edge and really try to live the faith openly without any fear of error or, or uh, to honestly test things and see what holds water, see what doesn't, and make changes. I, I think it's a good way to do it. My hope is always the destination of truth and, and through love even though we make mistakes along the way. And in this dynamic workshop of faith, it's really interesting, we will postulate and and we'll stipulate and we'll deconstruct and reconstruct ideas and thoughts. We'll take something as simple as the name of Jesus and we'll say, Hey, why do we call him that? And we break it down and we talk about it relative to Scripture. And we try to hold fast to what is good really have zero interest in man-made traditions uh, as a means to please people, or zero interest in popular opinion, don't have any interest in maintaining the status quo, unless the status quo should be maintained. But just as important as these efforts to test all things is the tenor and tone that we maintain as we test them. And for me, it's a constant experiment. And you may realize that, you may not. But I enjoy seeing how we react to things when they're tested, when they're challenged, how I react and what I do. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes you fail. And, and, but if love cannot be maintained in what we are doing, we really haven't accomplished anything, even if we come to the truth. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all faith. You can move mountains. You can have all knowledge. If you don't have love, you have nothing. And I really think that is true. I think it's a truism in Scripture. And I think we quickly set that aside for being right sometimes or for being smart Sometimes, or whatever it may be. Uh, two weeks ago, I threw out an idea that I thought was supported by Scripture. I still maintain it supported by Scripture. And it was an idea that Stephanie, one of our viewers, said was going to ruffle some feathers. The idea was that God specifically gave His only begotten Son a name. And His name is Yeshua. That's the name. And most modern Christians, including myself, myself still today... Don't call him that name. I call him Jesus. That's what we call him. And we explained how Jesus is not the English way to say the Hebrew name. We explained it's not the English way to say the Greek name. It is by a mistake that we call him Jesus, which again is not his name. So we have a topic or an issue that's examined in the ministry, and I try to present the facts And we throw the findings out for you all to consider. And the results have been predictable, but still amazing to me. First, what's amazing is the illogical nature of the topic itself and the reaction of people with regard to it. So let me talk about the illogical nature of the topic itself because it includes the fact that believers insist that the Bible must be taken. Many of them say it must be taken literally. You have to read what it says, believe it, do it, in order to be right with God. And I read in Acts 2.21 and Romans 10.13, two different places, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, we read that and we say that's true, and we have people call upon Jesus. It's not the name of the Lord. It's, it, it's illogical to me. You say you follow the Bible. You say you trust what it says. You read a passage like that. And you have people, pastors, call on Jesus. That doesn't make sense. Um, there are literalists with part of the, the passage. Whosoever will call... They're literalists on that, but they take on the name of the Lord and they they make that non-literal. And it's stuff like that that makes me crazy. It's why I take the stance I take that none of it probably matters because we really don't agree on anything. And it's these types of situations that cause me to say, I don't get it. And, and your rationalization church, church over there of the Baptists or Presbyterians or whoever, you guys don't make any sense to me when stuff like this comes down the pipe. Take Acts chapter four, verse 12 for an even more sobering passage. You ready? It says, neither is there salvation, speaking of Jesus, in any other for, listen to this, There is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby men must be saved. There is, the scripture says, no other name under heaven given among men. The name given among men on earth to our Savior was Yeshua. There's no other name given among men that you can be saved by, and we don't even use it. It's fascinating. I can hear the lovers of the name Jebus making all their rationalizations right now because you guys made them in the emails and comments online. You made your rationalizations clear. That's what people do. I don't think sons and daughters do it. I I think they try not to make rationalizations. I I think they try to propose something that makes most reasonable sense, and they'll do that. But what you have offered up as the most reasonable sense is nonsensical to me as a justification to use Jebus as the name. Uh, It's nonsensical to me. Religious people, people who care for traditions more than the truth, rationalize everything. Let's just call that as a fact among religious folks. They will rationalize away everything when it comes down to them maintaining what they do in the name of God. And I could give you a laundry list. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give you the ones that piss me off the most. When pastors use a word that is used in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel, but is never used toward believers in the New Testament as a prescriptive to follow, but pastors justify the use of tithing upon congregates. Drives me nuts. We let it happen. Oh, you know what they mean. They just mean giving. No, they don't. Darn it. And that word means something. Or when people call Sunday the Sabbath day. They don't give a rat's ass about facts. They call Sunday the Sabbath day. It's as ignorant as saying the moon is made of cheese. They don't care. They have Sabbatarian laws out there based on this erroneous mindset because the tradition matters more than the truth. Or when faith healers cannot explain why they never heal an amputee. Never. Never. We never see it. They can heal everything else, especially the the hidden diseases, the lumbago. Oh, my back hurts. All that junk. And yeah, if somebody has one leg longer than the other, they got a little trick to show that too. But they never do something that a man or woman born blind without pupils or whatever's in there, ocular nerves, The faith healers never give them sight. How come? Believers who say the Bible's the final authority and they justify themselves in not doing what it says. Doesn't make sense. If you're going to say the Bible is the final authority, then why don't you use it as your final authority? No one does. They call that the smorgasbord approach to the faith. I've yet to meet anybody who doesn't practice the smorgasbord approach to faith. Not, not even the Amish. They don't do it either. There's so many things in that New Testament we don't do. And we rationalize it away. And that's just the superficial stuff. You know, let's, how about the hardcore stuff? The Calvinists, by the way, Calvinism is the fastest growing segment of, of Christianity in the world today. It is, it is so heinous in my mind. They preach and teach a God who knows everything before anything happened. He's a God who's in control of everything, completely beginning to end. He's a God who they say is love. And he's a God who decides that a small segment of all human beings are going to be his and the rest that he created He will not elect to be his, and they will burn forever in the eternal hell because he chooses not to save them. Does that make any sense? Ken just said, nice guy. Exactly. Or when people say, this one bugs the heck out of me. Jesus paid for the sins of the world uh, through his suffering on the cross. And the Father is going to beat the hell out of anyone who doesn't receive that. The Father let the hell be beat out of Jesus on behalf of the world and he's going to re-beat the hell out of everybody who don't believe on him. It doesn't make sense. And it's stuff we say and teach over and over again. How about the people saying that Jesus from birth in his little baby body, which was tempted, which didn't know everything, which learned obedience by the things he suffered, I'm quoting scripture there, was God. He was God. That's how they say it. Jesus, he's God. And they say he's just as much God, co-equal, co-eternal with his father. He's walking around. He's he's having thoughts. He's being tempted. He doesn't know the day he's coming. Only uh, the father knows, but he's God. The illogical nature of the beliefs over what the scripture reasonably says, because tradition is more important than truth. There are, the, there are believers who say they have the ability to open up the Bible and tell you what is culturally mandated and what is not. And they're in these 10,000 different uh, uh, denominations. And we take the whole cluster of all of this and we wrap it up in people's need to be right and people's need to protect their traditions and people needing to feel like they have more truth than the next guy. These are some of the illogical religiosities people use, but we need to look at the reaction these same folks have when their views are challenged. That's, that's part two of this little presentation. The reaction that people who have these religious traditions, they defend, what their reaction is when you challenge them. Like if a Calvinist, an ardent five-point Calvinist is watching the show tonight, he is hitting as hard as he can the thumbs down button. He's doing that as quick as he can because, man, you're challenging him. And in the show called Goodbye Jesus, the responses were not... True, honest, lovely, of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. They were justifications for maintaining non-biblical truths, counterattacks on me, uh, mockeries, errant suppositions, religious positioning, appealing to authority uh, by cutting and pasting other people's views and sticking it in the comments, Sending me emails of why Jesus' name's okay. And uh, all over a single topic of how Yeshua's name is not Jesus. Why did that reaction happen with something like that? It's the tendency for us to want to be right, to maintain our beliefs. I get that. I want to be able to continue to call Yeshua Jesus. It's convenient. My tongue can say Jesus easily. Every time I have to make the decision to say Yeshua, I get stumbled up. It's a pain in the butt. I have to break free from what I've learned to do, and I'm comfortable in saying Jesus, so it must be okay. And you know, I don't wanna sound like one of those people who use special terms to distinguish themselves. We've met them too, so that's embarrassing. And, you know, Jesus is the name I've always used, and I'm completely used to it. So that's another reason. And I know that God, he's not going to condemn me to hell because of the name I'm using. I don't think that's the type of God I worship. But, you know, if I care enough about the truth, maybe I would say the name if I care enough about it. And um, finally, I would never correct somebody or attack someone for referring to the Lord by any name they want. Jebus, Jesus, Joshua, Iesus, Jeshua, any of those, the the dude, my homeboy, as it says on t-shirts at the mall, whatever you want to call him, you know, however, I do personally want to live by truth as closely as possible. Even if God will give me a pass, I don't know why some of you guys don't too. I don't know why you want to defend an errant position. Now, if you say, hey, I just want to call him that. I'm comfortable with it. Hands off. But when you start defending it, you can't do that. You can't defend it. You can say you can defend it, but I don't think you can defend it if you read the scripture and believe what it says. No other name given among men that can save you. Well, I want to go by that name. The angel did tell his father, hey... This is what I want you to call him, because he will save us, Yeshua. That's what God's angel told Joseph. I don't know how you get around that. But nevertheless, to show that I am, you know, cool and I'm free, I'll say Jesus in there to make everyone feel comfortable he hasn't gone so far off the edge, right? Because Yeshua, man, that's starting to really kind of become a legalistic thing. And by God, you don't want to look legalistic in this gospel, right? So what I've been proposing over the years in subjective Christianity is tough because it winds up being a double-edged sword people don't really understand. And so I have to reiterate it every now and then. As a teacher, I'll teach what I believe is right. That's what the shows are. That's what the sermons and things are. What I believe the Bible's saying, I try to live by it the best of my ability. On the other hand, as a Christian, I will love everybody's variant, different, obscure, maybe correct views that differ from mine. That's the double-edged sword of, of subjective Christian uh, living. You say and teach what you believe is true, but you love everybody's divergent opinions and ways uh, irrespective of what you believe. I think that is central, and I don't think the, 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 the Christian church is going to change until believers embrace that open uh, way of, of dealing with each other instead of fighting. So teach what I see as the truth without compromise while loving others completely along the way. And I'm convinced that until we do this, we will forever be emailing each other with insipid arguments to justify our beliefs, our pet beliefs. When it's as simple as say, Sean, I think that's a great a thing you're saying. I don't really believe it, but that's okay. On we go. And when are we gonna get that? When will you guys drop the the gun and that you want to point at someone's head because they bring something up to you that you don't agree with? The, com- the topic was pretty straightforward. In some ways, at least for me, it was another kind of experiment and to see how people would respond to something unsettling but essentially supported by Scripture. And if we take something like the historical development of the name Jesus and throw it out at you, and we can't get along on that, what in the heck will we ever do when it comes to soteriology, ontology of God, eternal punishment, second coming, miracles, uh, virgin birth, resurrection, all of that stuff, ecclesiology, the law, there are so much. And we throw one little thing out that was so easily understood from Scripture. And bottom line, you guys couldn't handle the truth, as Nicholson said. You couldn't handle it. You lost your shit. And you didn't think it was important. You dismissed it. You cut and pasted. You did everything you could so that you could walk around and say, Jesus! Jesus! I had to say it, uh, who is the wiener in all this? Paul says the wiener is the people who are praiseworthy, lovely, of good report, who put agape over all the rest of it. Those are the wieners. And so to those of you who hear things on this show and are able to say, Sean, I disagree with this, but... Uh, I love your right to share it and learn from other things. Praise God. You're the wiener. You guys who attack and malign and criticize and justify your pet doctrines in the face of a teaching that goes counter to it, you're not wieners. You're just not wieners. We'll see you in <laughs> Write your comments below. And we'll talk about them tomorrow night here on Heart of the Matter.